Thank you for being here today. Open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to preach on the power of blessing. The power of blessing. I'm preaching a series here called Family Matters. And there's something, there's a powerful principle in Scripture that I wanted to communicate to you. And I just, Holy Spirit helped me to do it accurately and do it well. But there's a principle that you need to know about. Whether you got a family or whether you're single. It, it applies. It's a pow- the power of blessing. Okay, Genesis chapter 12. This is a real missions passage, by the way. Genesis 12.1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The word family there, it might be translated nations in your Bible, but it's the Hebrew term mishpokah. And I like to translate it family here. I like what the New King James has done. The families of the earth. God is into blessing the families of this earth. That's His will right there. It's, this is theology 101 preschool theology. God is good. Devil is bad. Let's roll through that again. So if you don't learn anything else today, you learn this. God is good. Devil is bad. Say it with me. God is good. Devil is bad. God has come to bring blessing to your life salvation and healing and restoration and goodness to your life. Satan comes to bring all the opposite. If you study the book of Genesis, you'll find that God creates man, woman, male, female, all of, all of the animal kingdom, all of the birds of the air, all of the fish of the sea, all of the sun, moon, star, air. He creates everything. And then Adam and Eve fall in Genesis chapter 3. And Then there's a judgment pronounced on them in Genesis chapter 3. And it looks like, what's going to happen to mankind? They're cast out of the Garden of Eden, and they're sent. He's sent to work by the sweat of his brow. And then the curse of of child labor and pain and child labor on on Eve. All all this stuff happens. So we go on, and we come to Genesis chapter 6. And in Genesis chapter 6 then, mankind became so wicked that God said, My spirit will no longer strive with man. And then he sends a great flood upon the earth. And the flood destroys every living human being on planet earth except one family. That's Noah and his family that God spared. Then we're like, wow, it seems like mankind would get it right after that. But then we come to Genesis chapter 11 and we see man rebelling again against God, they meet in the plains of Shinar and they build a temple or structure to heaven, a tower to heaven. Now it doesn't seem like, you know, when you read it, you're like, what's wrong with this? But there was something about, there was something rebellious about it to God. Some have have said it was a cultic. I don't know, but anyhow, they or it was just pride driven. But they were trying to build a tower to God. And finally God says, I will go down and see what's going on. And He comes down and He judges all of humanity by confounding their languages to where at least they cannot work together anymore. So 
The book of Genesis is a big downer. All the way to chapter 11. You got judgment, judgment, judgment. Rebellion, rebellion, rebellion. And it seems like if the, if the book ended there, it would just, or the Bible ended there, it would just be a sad story, right? But then you turn the page from chapter 11 and the next chapter, Genesis 12:1, and the Lord spoke to Abram. When everything fell to pieces, God called a man and his family. Because that's what God does. When everything falls to pieces, He calls out a man, a woman, a family to change everything. And He goes back to His creation, even though flawed, even though human, He goes back to His creation to get things done. Oh, hallelujah. And when He came to Abram, He said, Now, through you, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. There's a blessing coming. And we know when you study the Bible that out of Abraham came the Israelite nation, all of the Jews. Out of the Jewish nation came the Lord Jesus Himself. So ultimately, this is really a messianic prophecy that Jesus would one day come out of the lineage of Abraham and be a blessing to all the earth. You and I are seated here today blessed because there was a man named Abram who obeyed God, came out of the Ur of the Chaldees, obeyed God and went by faith where God called him, and then out of his lineage, God raised up the Savior of all mankind. God's plan is to bless the family. Say that with me. God's plan is to bless the family. God is into blessing the family. Now the term bless comes from the Hebrew baruch, and it literally means to kneel down. To kneel down in front of someone, and then it means to empower to prosper. To empower to prosper. So picture someone kneeling down in front of an authority, and that authority lays hands on them and blesses them and empowers them to prosper. That's what a blessing is. You empower someone in a relationship so that they will thrive and do well. Now the word curse is exactly the opposite. The word curse means to disempower, or to speak evil of, or to not wish them prosperity in their life. Matter of fact, the Greek term for blessing is eulogia, which means to speak well of. It's where we get the term eulogy. To speak well of someone. However, the, the curse is the opposite of that, to speak evil of someone. So what does God want? God wants to bless the families of the earth. And God has set up the family as the unit that creates blessing. I know we can bless in the church and you can bless people outside the family, understand that. But I think the primary relationship unit God has on planet earth to bless people is the family. And God has agents of blessing. People He uses. They're called mom and dad. They're called mom and dad. And mom and dad have the privilege, authority, blessing to bless their kids. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. And really what God has 
uh, what God has given the mom and dad the authority to do is to bring two things into the lives of their kids that are two of the most important questions they will ever have in their lives. Number one, you have the ability as parents to speak identity to your kids. Now you speak identity. You help them understand their identity. And the identity question is, who am I? That's arguably the greatest question we'll ever ask in this lifetime. Who am I? Mom and dad, you have authority, privilege, honor, blessing to speak that into the lives of your children. Secondly, you have the power to speak destiny into their lives. Destiny, the questions of destiny are why am I here? Why am I here and where am I going in life? Well, mom and dad, you have the ability to speak that into the lives of your kids because Satan has an answer too. Satan has an answer for both of those questions. His answer for us is, you have no identity, you don't belong here. You're taking up air and space that someone else needs. You have no right to live here. You have no reason to exist. You have no destiny on your life. That's why Satan is into defacing the image of God in human beings. That's why I preached the whole series I did on taboo to show how Satan is effacing the, the, the human person and who God has created you and called you to be. And so Satan comes to do the opposite of God. Whereas God is speaking life into you, He's created you, and He wants to speak that blessing into you. And parents, you are the agents to do that. Can somebody shout amen? So I'm going to give you three facts about blessing and how you can turn your family into a blessing center. Come on, how many wants to turn your family into a blessing center? Your home into just a center of blessing. First of all, you got to know that it's the parent's job to bless the children. It's the parent's job to bless the children. Children are under the authority of the parent, and the primary reason is so that parent can raise them in the fear and knowledge of God and to impart identity and destiny into their lives. So parents become, in a sense, prophets. In a sense, parents become prophets because they speak forth and impart identity and destiny into their kids. And that the way you impart that comes across in the words you say, the actions you do, the intonation of your voice, how you come at them. It's more than just words. Sometimes we get angry as parents and you want to fly off the handle and give them a piece of your mind. And I'm not saying don't discipline your kids. Lord, help us. Please discipline your kids. But I am saying that watch what you say, especially when you get angry. Because you don't want to speak a destiny over your child that is, you're doing nothing, you're stupid, you're going nowhere, you'll never be anything. Some people grow up in this type of environment. Some grow up, maybe some of you grew up in that type of environment of just constant negative reinforcement. If anyone on earth should be the positive voice in the lives of your kids, it should be you. You have the authority to declare things. If you study the Old Testament, all through the Old Testament are examples of families blessing their kids. Speaking blessing over their kids. Let me show you one of these examples. Genesis chapter 27 is the story of Isaac and his two sons, Esau and Jacob. They were twins, 
But Esau technically came out of the womb first, so he's the oldest. So Esau was due the family blessing and blessing of the father. And Isaac had gotten so old that he couldn't see. And so his wife knew that he was getting down to his last days and that he would speak this blessing that was so treasured. He would speak this blessing over one of the sons. And so the wife wanted the younger son to get the blessing. So she went to the younger son, Jacob, and she said, listen, let's do this. Let's trick your dad. I'll make his favorite meal. How many knows? You men, that's your ultimate weakness. Come on, you women. Give me, a, give me some love. But anyhow, I'm going to make his favorite meal. And then uh, Esau was a, a man of the woods, a man of the outdoors, and he was hairy, the Bible said. So evidently Jacob wasn't. And so she said, we're going to put like animal skins on you with fur. So you're going to go in and you're going to be like boots with the fur. I'm sorry. <laughs> the 11 o'clock service, I go off. So please forgive me. So you're going to walk in and then you're going to, you're going to have this. And, and so they went, she, he went in and tricked Isaac. And Isaac blessed him. And then so what happens? So Jacob comes in after, I mean Esau comes in after that. And we pick it up in verse 30. After Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. And his father Isaac asked him, Who are you? And he trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me I ate it just before you came in and I blessed him and indeed he will be blessed. And if you study the history of it, Jacob and his family turns out to be incredibly blessed. Esau, not so much. And when Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me too, my father! I think this is a cry of a generation. A fatherless generation. Bless me too, father! But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. And Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he's taken advantage of me. He took my birthright, now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? And Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you and have made all of his relatives his servants and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Okay, when we think about blessing, we think it's just some nice words spoken over us that someone said some nice words, and maybe it's nothing more than words. But if we look at it here, this has always amazed me, that they understood blessing to be such a thing that Isaac couldn't take it back, and he couldn't work up another blessing for Esau. Or he couldn't work up that blessing because it had been given away. Blessing was that powerful. It was that I don't know, the term blessing, Baruch, means to bless, to prosper, to empower, to prosper. And maybe I'm stretching this too far, but the, the, the Hebrew word for create is bara, and they're related. I'm not saying that when we bless, we create realities, but there's a connection somehow. That when we bless in the authority of Jesus' name, and as spiritual people, something happens. Something happens. It's something beyond just words. Something spiritual actually happens. And Esau was willing to murder for it. Because he says, I'll kill him. 
And he spent years, and Jacob had that over his head for years, this mandate of his brother, this death threat from his brother. That's how important the blessing was to him. Parents, you have the ability to empower your children to prosper. You have the ability to speak words of life over them. You have the ability to structure your home and your schedule and your spiritual life to where you open the floodgates of blessing on your kids. Come on, can somebody shout amen? Second fact I want you to know is that blessings don't only come from parents, but they are generational. The Bible says that He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why does He use that terminology? Because God is a God of the generations. He blesses through the generations. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Therefore, know that the Lord your God, He is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commandments. You, you are probably here today because someone in your ancestry loved God and spent some time before the face of the Lord and sacrificed spiritually so that you could be here and walked in some measure of the blessing of God so you could enjoy the blessing. I know we're in a church today, in a free country today, because of some of our forefathers who were God-fearing men and women who laid the foundation of freedom of religion so you and I could worship. So we're actually experiencing a generational blessing by just sitting here in this nation today. Can somebody shout hallelujah? I spent some time researching my ancestry and found that there was a Hess a few generations back who was a preacher. And I don't know what kind of preacher he was. I tried to find it out, but I, I, I think I got close, but you know, I, I, I couldn't find evidence of it. But anyhow, he had a son who became a school teacher who became a soldier in the Civil War. And, and then he had a son, and then he had a son, and then he had a son who had me. So I don't know how far back that goes, but I'm claiming the blessing all the way back there. Hallelujah. Because it goes back a thousand generations. God will bless a thousand generations. Do you know who you are impacting today by serving the Lord? If Jesus tarries, you're here impacting your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, your great-great-grandkids, your great-great-great-grandkids, and all those others that are going to come. That they'll look back in history and maybe look at you as the one who really prayed the anointing down in the family line. One of my friends on the video today, the pre preview video for Breaking Bears, his name is Randy Hill. And Randy pastors down in Dunn, North Carolina, and we've been friends for many years, and he's a, he's a praying somebody, loves the Lord. And uh, anyhow, he lost his wife back in April this year. And I went and, and was able to preach her funeral and I went, and I, maybe this has never been preached at a funeral, I don't know. But I thought, I'm dealing with the virtuous woman from Proverbs chapter 31. So I went, and I read the Proverbs 31, the story of the, vir the, the description of the virtuous woman, right? And, and, and I told him, I said, some believe that the virtuous woman could have been Ruth. Could have been Ruth. Because if Solomon was the author of the Proverbs, then Ruth would have been his great-great-grandmother. 
And maybe she, was, she had such a reputation. I mean, there's a book named after her in the Bible. And you often wonder, why is that book there? Because if you look at the book of Judges, it ends with this terrible condemnation of Israel. There was no king, and everyone was a law unto themselves and did whatever they wanted to do. And you're left like with a cliffhanger at the edge of, of Judges, and then it sets the stage for the coming of the kings, which is found in 1 Samuel. So it should be Judges, 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Chronicles. But it doesn't go like that. It goes Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel. So I started thinking, why is Ruth in the Bible? It's a great story, but why is it there? Let me tell you why it's there. Because it tells us where David came from. It's about generations. It tells us where David came from because God knew there would come a day when there would be a giant that no Israelite could conquer named Goliath. And that he would raise up a shepherd boy named David to face that giant and take him out. God knew that Israel would be desperate for a righteous king after his own heart and God was going to raise up a shepherd boy named David. Now God knew that back not with his mother or grandmother. God knew it with his great great grandmother who he called out of Moab into Bethlehem who basically converted to Judaism and became a righteous woman, was a righteous woman, gave birth to a son named Obed who gave birth to a son named Jesse who gave birth to a son named David. God had it figured out generations before. So God had you figured out generations before and knew you were called for such a time as this. You're not here by accident. You're not here by chance. You're here because God has designed you for this hour, this time, at this place, at this moment in history. And God didn't just figure this out when your parents got together. God had it figured out generations ago. Come on somebody, hallelujah. He's a God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's a God who blesses. What you're doing now will affect your kids and grandkids and the generations that follow you. Oh, come on somebody, shout hallelujah. He is a God of the generations. Look at Genesis chapter 49. Jacob, before he dies, gathers all of his kids around. And he blesses them. And it becomes really prophetic. If you read that chapter, there are these prophetic declarations of what these men will do. It was absolutely powerful. The final fact I want you to know is that parents should bless their kids and children at critical stages of their lives. We should bless our children at critical stages of their lives. Now, there's a guy named Craig Hill. He has a ministry that deals with the ancient paths, he calls it. And he does seminars on blessings and stuff. And we had him years ago in our conference. And it was, it was really powerful. So some of this material is his. But what he says is that there are seven different stages of a child's life. Or there's seven different blessing stages in life. But I'm going to give you some precursors to that. First of all, as parents, mealtime is a golden opportunity to pray. When you have dinner together. Just pray with the family. Dad, pray. Mom, pray. Get the children to pray. Might be their first experience praying in front of others. Let them pray. You can pray over them at night before they go to bed. It's a powerful time to pray with your kids. It's a powerful time. 
praying over them, and you don't know the power. We, I, we can't grasp the power of a mom or dad coming in and blessing their kids before they go to bed. Pray with them on the way to school in the morning. Quote Psalm 91 over them. God, I give your angels charge over them to keep them in all their ways, lest they dash your foot against the stone. Lord, I thank you that no plague shall come to my dwelling. I thank you that you've hidden my son or my daughter in the secret place of the Most High. Oh, hallelujah, we're under your wing. Just, and they'll have, they'll have a long life on this earth, and they'll be blessed. Just declare that. Declare prosperity, blessing, healing. Declare all that over them. Just declare that over them. There are many opportunities. You can bless your kids. I preached a few months ago. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. I preached on establishing a family altar. That is, have some times where you worship and pray together. Have some times where you, you get down to business and pray as a family together. Some people have daily devotions and all that, but I just however it works for you, think about establishing a family altar where you guys actually worship and pray together. We had times like that with my kids growing up that we would sometimes get into the prophetic and sometimes they were ministering to us. Amen? I remember one time we had a hurricane coming. God rebuke all the hurricanes. I remember a hurricane was coming and, no, I'm sorry, tornadoes. There were tornadoes in our area and tornadoes were spotted here and spotted pretty close to where, where we live. And uh, so what did we start doing? We started getting stuff ready. We started getting the bathroom ready as we go in there. We started, we were thinking about pulling pillows out and doing all this. And all of a sudden, I heard my two daughters worshiping and praising the Lord in the living room. And man, it blessed me. It blessed me. I thought, here, I'm scurrying around in fear, and they're in there in the throne room. And it blessed me, man. Raise your kids where they can speak in tongues. Raise your kids where they can prophetically minister to other people. Raise your kids to be the one that's on fire in their class. Raise your kids to be the one that loves revival. Thanks for the three amens. Craig Hill says there's critical times, though, that you can bless your children. Listen to this. Number one is in the womb. When you find out you're pregnant, it's done too late now. Go ahead and bless that child. Bless them. Whether you were wanting them or not, you're going to bless them. You're going to, if that child could speak, they could say, am I safe? Do I belong here? And you as a mom and dad say, absolutely. Because God has created you and I bless you in the womb. Secondly, it's when they're born. If that child could speak, maybe they would say, am I wanted? Am I what you expected? And parents can say, you're more than I've ever expected. And absolutely I want you. And I bless you in Jesus' name. I bless you in Jesus' name. Husbands, when your wives give birth, you don't say one word. But once they're born, open your mouth and bless that child. Come on, somebody. We can bless them when they're in the early childhood and when they're infants, and the mothers become a huge player here. But if that child could speak, maybe they would say, am I alone? Is there anyone to take care of me? I think God wants to say, yep, I've given you a mom. She's the agent of blessing into your life. When they go into puberty, that's when mom and dad really need to answer the question, what, am I ready to be an adult? Am I ready to go to the next level? And mom and dad need to come behind and say, absolutely, or alongside, absolutely you're ready. We're here with you. We're here to see you to the next stage in your life and we're going to bless you all along the way. Dads, we become huge right here. 
we become huge. We're not, don't be too big to tell your kids that you love them. Don't be too big to hug your kids. Don't be too big to show some emotion in their lives and let them realize that you love them. I mean, I had girls, so I couldn't get out of that. Because girls carry all this emotion. Right? But, it, but I have two sons-in-laws, sons-in-law, and I bless them. When I, most of the time when I'm with those guys, I'll go hug them and i say, I love you. I love you. I remember coming to church and a man coming up, an old coal miner, came up and hugged me, and he said, I love you, brother. I thought, what? He said, what? I didn't know men did that to each other. But that was church. I came into the kingdom. I found something different. Come on, somebody. Another time when you can bless your kids is that marriage. First of all, parents, you should have a huge say in who your kids marry. Come on, let's, let's talk honestly. We're Christian people. We raised our kids not to marry the wrong person. And you as parents have the discernment and you've lived a lot longer and you can see something bad coming down a mile away. And it's our job and our duty to tell the kids about it. This isn't right. I'm saying way too much. But it has been said in my household, this certain individual will never come back on this property. They have no business at this house or on this property. Don't ever let them come back again. Thank you, love you. Come on, you got to speak. Be a parent. Speak into their lives. You, you are the agent of blessing. And then, and, and I know some of us, some of you probably experienced something that went really not the way you wanted it, but you still can make it a blessing. You can still can bless out of that. But anyhow, we want to be able to show up at the wedding and bless our son or our daughter and their new husband or wife. We want to show up and be able to bless them. Amen? I mean, you need to have a Holy Ghost moment. I mean, when, we, we, when our two, my two daughters got married, I thank God, thank you Jesus in heaven above, we were able to have spiritual weddings and spiritual moments. I remember being right here on this stage with my youngest, and we're praying in tongues and prophetically ministering. I remember praying Hebrew prayers over my oldest daughter, just being able to bless, being able to call forth things into their life. It's an opportunity to bless. Can somebody shout amen? I'm one of my best friends in all the world. You'd never believe this, but he said, man, he said, my wedding was absolutely terrible. My mother thought my bride was too worldly. And then her parents were in a room praying for me to die. He said, Lord knows we should have eloped. My gosh. But they've turned out to be a powerhouse couple. Anyhow, I mean, bless. Show up to bless in Jesus' name. Final stage, Craig Hill says, is when that you get to older age. When you get to older age, it's when the full cycle of blessing comes back. And that is the time when the kids rise up and bless the parents. Because maybe the parents at that age are asking, do I have any value here? Am I wanted here? Am I needed here? And that's when we as kids can rise up and say, absolutely. 
We need you more than ever. Your wisdom, your experience, your love, your support is huge and we complete the blessing cycle. Can somebody shout amen? So even if you've miserably failed at this, you can pray today and start on a new track and learn to bless your kids. Even if they're grown, you become a blesser. You become one that just extends your hand of blessing to them. Let your ceiling be their floor. Let the blessing you walk in be the wave that carries them to the next level of blessing. You're here to bless your kids. You're here to see them succeed in life. You're here to pray for them. You're here because one day you want them to pray for you. Can somebody shout amen? Okay, stand with me right quick. We're going to do something right here. Blessing was so powerful in Scripture that God told Aaron, Moses' brother, who is the high priest, he said, I want you to bless the children of Israel this way. So I'm going to bless you this way. Raise a hand with me like you're going to catch this blessing. All right? Here it goes. I'm going to pray it over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Come on, if you receive it, give Him a praise right now. Hallelujah. Hey, I'm Hans Hess. Thank you so much for watching today. And I just pray that this service has been a great blessing to you. Listen, many of you out there have needs. You have needs physically. You want healing in your body or you have uh, oppression or anxiety you're dealing with or, or the weight of an addiction or sin in your life. Whatever the issue is, you know, Jesus can handle it. And I want to pray for you today before we leave here and just believe God for the best in your life. You're a winner in Christ. I've read the end of the book and we win in the end. So pray with me this brief prayer. Come on, mean it with all of your heart. Father, in Jesus' name, forgive me of all my sin and wash it away. Heal my body. Touch my mind, Lord. Bring total freedom to me today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And if you said that, you can say amen. And you know what? Each time a sports team wins a victory, they always have a celebration. So why don't go ahead and right where you are and just thank God and give God some praise. Thanks for joining us. Stay in contact with us and uh, come back and visit us.